morning. Please join me in prayer. Gracious God, may the words of my mouth and the meditations of all our hearts be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. Hello again. Just a reminder, I am Sophie Beale, your ministry resident this summer, and I am so, so grateful to be here with you, Montview, this community, this morning. To be in this pulpit again among these faces is truly humbling because you all have played a very important role in my life these last few years, even from afar. You've supported me and helped me grow toward this inexplicable and mysterious call that I have felt to ministry through all of its twists and turns. So thank you. This journey through Divinity School has been incredibly meaningful, deeply rewarding, and sometimes a super, super strange experience. And this may come as a massive surprise to you, but seminary is a weird place. And that's not just because it's full of like Jesus freaks and Bible nerds, it is. But for me, Div School is especially weird because it is this deeply spiritual place, but it's also still school for me and my colleagues at the end of the day. It's a place where we go through the motions of daily life, which can be busy. It's draining and sometimes mundane. I guess when I started this journey, I expected it to feel like a pilgrimage in a straight line to the mountaintop with uh, ultimate awareness of God's transcendent presence in my life awaiting me there, a feeling of being connected to something greater than myself all the time. And I, I do, I feel that, but it comes in fits and spurts. I'm being honest here, in moments in usually unexpected moments. Sometimes the mundane can feel like a revelation. But the truth is that sometimes also the mountaintop can just feel like a mountaintop. And that's okay, I think. But in those moments when I'm feeling disconnected, um, I find myself wondering, like, is there something wrong with me? Am I not finding God in the places that I'm supposed to? I'm asking, like, am I listening enough? Am I not looking hard enough in the right places? As if God can be confined to the right places. It's easy, though, to lose sight of where we are because we're so focused, I think, on where we're going or where, speaking for myself, where I think I'm supposed to be. And today's story is a reminder of that. In Genesis chapter 28, verses 10 through 19, Jacob, our anti-hero, is fleeing for his life after tricking his father Isaac into giving him the blessing and birthright that should rightfully have been his twin brother Esau's. Esau, as you can imagine, was livid, hurt and betrayed. He swore that he would kill Jacob when he got the chance, but the boy's mother, Rebecca, who orchestrated this whole thing in Jacob's favor, helped him escape told him to go stay with her brother Laban for a while, not forever, just like until Esau, his brother, stops threatening to murder him. It's normal family stuff. 
So Jacob is on the run, and this is where our story begins. Listen for the word of the Lord. Jacob set out from Beersheba, heading towards Haran, and he came upon a certain place. And the sun had set, so he spent the night there. He took one of the stones from that place, put it under his head, and lay down there in that place. He dreamed. And behold, a ladder, standing on earth, its top reaching the heavens. And behold, messengers of God going up and going down on it. And behold, God is standing on it and says, I am Adonai, the God of Abraham, your father, and the God of Isaac. The land on which you lie, I will give to you and your progeny. Your descendants shall be as dust of the earth, and you shall spread to the north and to the south, to the east and to the west, and all the families of the earth shall bless themselves through your descendants. And behold, I am with you, and I will take care of you wherever you go. And I will bring you back to this land, for I will not leave you until I have done as I have spoken. And Jacob awoke from his sleep and said, Surely God was in this place, and I, I did not know it. And he was in awe and said, How awesome is this place. This is none other than the house of God, and this is the gate of heaven. So Jacob rose early in the morning, and he took the stone that he had put under his head and set it up for a pillar and poured oil on it. He called that place Bethel, the house of God. The word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. There is something refreshingly childlike and almost charming about Jacob's immediate reaction after waking up from the dream. You can almost hear the excitement and wonder in his voice as he suddenly realizes that the world is a much stranger, much more holy, and more mysterious place than he had known sort of laughing at himself, it sounds like, out loud in the dark, like, OMG, God was here? I had no clue. It's delightfully oblivious and, frankly, reassuring because I am certain that I wouldn't have known either. This miraculous thin space between heaven and earth could have been pretty much anywhere, just some random nowhere spot on the road from A to B. Jacob wasn't looking for God. He was on his way somewhere else with no idea where he was, only where he was going. The only reason that Jacob even stopped there in the first place is because he was forced to by forces beyond his control. The sun set. Might as well cozy up to the nearest rock and get some rest. Then, behold, look again. This word, hene, behold, is repeated throughout Jacob's dream four times, to be exact. The translation in your pew Bible, if you were diligently following along, as I'm sure you very good Presbyterians were, you may have noticed that the pew Bible doesn't reflect this. And that's because some modern English translations omit words that they think sound repetitive or unnecessary. And I get that, but... The thing about the Bible is that repeated words aren't necessarily just fluff. The words that get repeated are often 
trying to tell us something. They're a signal of importance to pay attention. So when this text says, behold, a ladder, behold, messengers of God, behold, God is standing on it. It's as if the text itself is trying to jolt us, the audience, to attention. It's directing our gaze, like look here, so that we can see the vision alongside Jacob. What is revealed to him is revealed to us too. And finally, God says, Behold, I am with you, and I will take care of you wherever you go. It's a weird thought, though, isn't it? As much as we might believe it, as much as we might know that God is always with us in our head, we might not always feel that knowledge in our bones. Sometimes it feels like we need to go somewhere else, somewhere more holy and more specific to find God. So we go on spiritual retreats, we travel to sacred waters and down pilgrim paths, hoping to catch a glimpse of something real. It makes sense. It's actually it's like the most human thing in the world because our lives are exhausting and certain places can make us feel replenished, closer to God, to our planet, and to one another. We're desperate for that closeness, I think, for that wholeheartedness. But if there's one thing I've learned in divinity school, a whole master's degree later, it's that while God can indeed be found and felt in the places we expect, on mountaintops and, dare I say, in church pews, at least as often, maybe more, God finds us in unexpected places. God sneaks up on us when we are on our way somewhere else. We just have to be open to being startled, which is harder than it sounds. This isn't the only story in the Bible of God miraculously showing up in an unexpected place, unrecognized. Even in the New Testament, we see this with Jesus pretty clearly. Jesus rose from the dead, and no one even recognized him. At least not at first. The people on the road to Emmaus were somewhere going somewhere else. Like Jacob, they weren't looking for God. They didn't expect to see Jesus again. But still, God was there. The real shock of Jacob's vision, this divine revelation, I think, is the realization of how thin the boundary between the divine and the mundane really can be. The distance between us and God is not so great. And the image of the latter is as strange as that idea itself, the idea that God is so close, even in spaces and places that seem wrong, even when you don't feel worthy, even when you've made a mess of things back home like Jacob, and especially when you're not looking. The brilliant rabbi and writer Abraham Heschel 
wrote about our tendency to look for God in the world of places and things. And he pushes back against this, challenging us. He says, where shall the likeness of God be found? There is no quality that space has in common with the essence of God. There is not enough freedom on top of the mountain. There is not enough glory in the silence of the sea. Yet the likeness of God can be found in time which is eternity in disguise. You see, it's not until Jacob begins to dream, departing from reality or what we think of as reality, that he discovers what is truly real. In a moment of simultaneous rest and revelation, he suddenly sees this place, the place, for what it really is. Boundless, eternity in disguise. It's been said that we preachers tend to preach the sermons that we need to hear ourselves. So maybe that's what's happening here. When I feel disconnected, I find this story really helpful to remember. I don't have to look. God is already here. Maybe you feel that way sometimes too. Maybe. Maybe you're feeling God's presence here today in this place, this house of God, our own Bethel, where we gather to worship and feel the divine presence. And maybe you're not, and that's okay too. Maybe you feel disconnected or guilty because you're not sure that you're trying hard enough to find God. Maybe prayer feels hard, a little too uncomfortable, a little too quiet. The good news is that we created this space to gather and worship God as a community to help us feel divine love in and through one another. So that we don't have to feel alone in our wondering and our wandering. This moment together, this time set aside on Sunday mornings is what lends significance to this place, this house of God. We gather here not to do, but to be, to be here, to pay attention. Behold, surely God is in this place, whether we know it or not. Amen.